What the fuck is up? Yep, we're starting with profanity extra early today. Uh, welcome back to the Six Stroke Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Rookie. Um, so yeah, I kind of left you guys a little high and dry this month. My apologies. Uh, I had some plans um, for a guest, uh, but we kind of had to reschedule, which is cool. Uh, that episode should be recorded uh, this coming week and should be released uh, pretty soon. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, in the meantime, I wanted to get uh, a guest on who had something coming up with their band, kind of help get some extra promotion going and also get some good hangs and conversations in. So this episode was uh, recorded about a week in advance uh, from when you're hearing it now. Today is October 30th, uh, which means that my good friends in Signs of the Swarm have a new video out for their new single called Pernicious. And I got to act in that video, and it was a lot of fun. Um they kind of just hit me up to to do it one day because uh, their other actor buddy um, was kind of being a douche, I guess, and was just uh, not really coming through on what they needed. So they hit me up because apparently the vision was to have a redhead in it. So it's actually one of the few times in life I was grateful to be a redhead. And uh, it's a fucking incredible-looking video, man. Um, it was directed by... Uh, our mutual buddy Eric DiCarlo. Um, he's shot videos for Amir, Attila, um, a ton of great bands. Um, and now this this video, and it's unreal looking. A uh, bunch of special effects uh, makeup and and stuff were done by uh, Kelly Harris. Uh, she is unbelievable what she does. She made me look absolutely disgusting and. It was a lot of fun. Got uh, possessed by a demon with uh, some ectoplasm and some slime and shit like that. And it was a lot of fun. This is always something I wanted to do. So when they hit me up to do it, I, I couldn't have been uh, more more excited. Um, so go check it out. Uh, Signs of the Swarm, Pernicious. It's out on Unique Leader Records. It's fucking awesome. Um, also... Uh, we have officially, you know, picked singles out with the label and we're getting ready to shoot some music videos soon. So I'm very excited about that. Um, things are starting to finally come together for this new record and I'm, I'm very, very excited. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear this. Um, I know I hype it up a lot on Facebook and Instagram and I'm sure you guys are all annoyed at this point, but I'm trying to keep you guys in the loop and let you guys know that we're not dead and it's quite the opposite, actually. And I'm very, very anxious to put this record out there and, you know, give you guys some new music. And, you know, to hopefully help get through the ease of this quarantine that we're still dealing with. And, you know, it's fucking annoying. So new music's always good. And speaking of new music, my guest this week is Tyler Saxawa, the man behind the kit in Born Anew. Uh, Tyler and I go back quite a bit. Um, me and the and Born and New in general go back quite a bit. Um, and I I've been definitely wanting them on here, and it just kind of lined up perfectly that they had a a new single coming out called World of Black, and uh, a new EP coming soon with that. 
called Dura Vida out on Modern Empire Music. Uh, these guys are a New Jersey metalcore band. Uh, they're fucking heavy, and they really bring it live, man. We've played countless shows with these guys, and they are always stepping it up and, you know, always making their name known. Uh, we talk a lot about Tyler's introduction to drums, you know, via school band, and, um, you know, how that eventually evolved into playing drums in, like, a metalcore band. And then we talk about how him joining the band really gave them uh, the gas and steam that they needed to become uh, a national touring act and how hard they worked uh, to get to the point where they're at now and um, pretty much touched a lot on, you know, aspects of touring and, you know, making communications and, and relationships with people in the industry and stuff like that and how they just busted their ass and it's fucking awesome to hear, man. It was awesome to to bear witness to all that over the past couple of years. Um, we also talked about drums because this is a drum-based podcast for the most part. And we talked uh, a lot about drummers, some drummers that we feel uh, need more attention and more love in this world. Um, it was a great time. Tyler is seriously one of the people in, in the music scene and, and just in life in general that I, I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, He's a great guy. He's full of, you know, wisdom, and he's not afraid to share it and, and help uh, people out who who kind of need it, pretty much. And uh, he's just overall a great guy and a really dear friend of mine, and it was great to have him on here. Um, so let's get into it. It's go time for the Jersey Boys today. It is. It is. My next guest for this episode is my man Tyler, a.k.a. Sax, Saxawa of Born Anew. Am I saying that right? I know we've been friends for a while, but like... Saxawa? Saxawa? It's, it's close enough. It's Saxawa. Saxawa. Wow. I'm so a fucking it's, idiot. <laughs> it's said exactly how it's spelled. Saxawa. Saxawa. Okay. But people do say Saxawa more. Yeah. So I've kind of just let it slide. It's got some flavor to it. <laughs> but then, you know, it's everyone... It's actually Sakjava. It's Polish. Seriously? Yes. That, that's my last name, too. It really? It's Polish. So, like, a lot of people are like, th- they just think, rookie. And it's not. It's, like, the Americanized, rookie. like, uh, like version of it is rookie, or at least that's what I've been told all my life. But apparently it derives from ruski. Ruski, okay. Yeah, like apparently the Polish people Ruki. came over here, and they were like, "What's your last name?" And they're like, "Ruski," and they're like, "I don't know how to spell that." So here it is, and then it turns to rookie, and that's kind of what it's been ever since, or at least that's what I've been told. So, and uh, I dated a Polish girl for a bit, so she told she told <laughs> me like what my last name was. I was like, "All right, I'll trust you." That's hilarious. Yeah, man. Um, I was trying to think the other day. Like, I usually kind of like start this thing like thinking of like like how we got to know each other. Right. And I can't exactly pinpoint the first time that we met. I just know it was like when like I had started filling in for Sentinels and like 
and whatnot because I think that was around the same time you joined Born and New, right? Yeah, I feel like um, the first time that I heard of you, you were still in, in Venture for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and we had never really played too many shows together because our bands didn't really mix so much on a bill as like other bands you know yeah it was like that and um, we were from like two different territories of like the the new jersey metal scene. yeah we were more north and you guys were always more south jersey yeah um but i knew of you uh when you were in adventure and then uh yeah i had known the sentinels guys probably they were probably one of my first new jersey local bands i ever like found out about um so i'd been talking to chris for so long and then when i saw you had made the switch I think we probably saw each other at a local show. I want to say Game Changer. Probably Game Changer somewhere. or uh, or like the Radiant probably. Or yeah, something. Cause like, somewhere there. Because I know that like the first couple shows that you and I played together, I believe was either at Game Changer or Radiant. It might have been the first Loud Fest. Might have been. I, I want to say it was sooner though because that seems like it was kind of like recent still. Which Even is though crazy, it was only yeah. like... Five it, it years was like ago five years. It still that? seems like it was just the other day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some I don't remember either, but somewhere around there. Yeah, I because th- I remember like you and I played Loudfest together, and we were already like acquainted. Like, um, but yeah, I did play with Born Anew like for I think it was my second show with Inventure. We played at Champs, and that uh, was before I was. That in was the band. before you were in the band. Yeah, and the funny thing was, this was like my first show with my old SJC kit, and it was like the SJZ hybrid. Okay. So like I was like extra anal about like don't scratch this, nothing, it'll get fucked up. And, yeah. And I think it was Chip before I ever met Chip, and he was like, "Hey, dude, uh, our drummer is getting to the show late. Can he, we use your kit?" And I think I just straight up told him. Nah, nah I'm not, not about that. that. And and I was like, "Fuck, dude, they're gonna think I'm a giant dickhead." That's funny. But like, I think we chilled at that show and it was cool. But like, it's so crazy seeing like the transformation of like born a new like then to now. It's like, yeah, for sure. Chip is the only original left. Um, everyone else came along after. Um, I was the second one for sure, like close next closest to original. But um, Chip's the the last one standing yeah from the uh, original group but um it's funny you said uh you you were so anal about your sjc kit because mm-hmm. that's how i was like when i was younger i would see all these other drummers using like shine or yeah. truth dude or, i haven't heard of shine in so long uh, it's crazy. any of those like custom kits and that was yeah. like the ideal like okay like everyone i look up to is using these style kits like i mm-hmm. need to go and try to get one yeah, it but, was like uh, the thing is like every cool band, every cool drummer that we that we knew of and like in our scene was like SJC, uh, Truth, yep. Shine, and exactly, like, or occasionally like Dark Horse or something like that. Like it was always something that like stood out, and it like it definitely it sold the idea that it was like custom drums or where it's at. <laughs> yeah, come to find out that like we're just back to the one of the few main drum companies that have been around forever mm-hmm. you know we and, learned our lesson <laughs> yeah <laughs> those damn tube lugs man they're not easy to tune toms with no definitely not but um but since we are talking about drums actually like how like how did you like get started like with drums and then like eventually work your way into like playing drums in, like a metalcore band uh so when i was younger i would just when i was like a very young kid probably like two or three i don't even remember but my parents tell me i was always banging my head against the wall and if it wasn't that i was i'd have like 
um, pots and pans in front of me and I'd have spoons and I'd just be banging on things, just making noise any way I could. Um, so my parents kind of saw that there was potential for rhythm, mm-hmm. I guess, in, like that I would have um, down the line. So they kind of signed me up early for drum lessons. Um, and the first drum lesson I went to, uh, I, w- I sat down on an l- electric kit. Um, my feet couldn't reach the pedals. Same with me. And yeah. uh, the guy to- looked at me and said, come back when you're a little older, when you're a little taller, mm-hmm. um, and when you're a little bit more familiar with the entire kit in front of you. Um, so I did. I went back a couple years later, and I pretty much just worked on rudiments and uh, small little things. Like I would go in there and tell him a song I was listening to and be like, yo, how did this part go? And yeah. he would show me. You know, it was very basic. Um and I kind of slowly drifted away from that when it got to um, reading the actual notation of the drums. I had a hard time um, playing what I was reading or looking at. Yeah. And I would get frustrated with myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being that I was younger, I didn't have the patience or the drive that I have now to continue bettering myself. It's so tough, like, as a kid, like, when you're, when you're, like, watching all like these badass drummers and stuff like that or like the stuff you're listening to and you're like man this sounds like so much fun and then a guy tells you to like read uh and and like play this you're like this is fucking dumb like this is for nerds or or, like whatever and you're like this this isn't fun like i don't want to do this and like and like i think i said on the last episode was like my biggest regret was not taking the time in like school band and whatnot because like pretty much all the best drummers that like I know of like they're like yeah, I I did uh I did like middle school band jazz band or like marching band and it's like yep. it's like look at it it's like it's paying off today is where it's like I'm still like relearning things today exactly yeah and I mean I can say I took band in school but I didn't take it seriously yeah you know? like I had a bunch of snare drum lessons where it was just isolated snare no kit and uh you know more like a marching band kind of style with mm-hmm. my uh like grade school uh, coming through grade school there was like a music program nice. um so i would do that but it was all sticking and like it was more so like uh going to class and you get like a rudiment or a specific sticking uh to practice and you'd come back and just make sure you practiced it you would play yeah. it in front of the teacher the next day and she'd give you a check mark you know it was yeah. never anything serious it was never anything where i was like okay, I'm going to memorize this so I know it later on. You know, I was just kind of going through the motions at the time, not really taking it in. So I do also regret that um, being at a younger age and knowing that I had the opportunity to take it seriously and probably be a little bit better than I am now or at least more familiar with the things that I should be familiar with at this point of, Mm -hmm. you know, my life playing drums for since I've been, you know, four or five. um, Yeah. There's just so much more to learn that would have been easier if if I just took it seriously the whole time. Yeah, it's like you look back on it and you're like, damn, dude, like if you can go back and tell your younger self something, you're like, trust me, it seems boring now, but stick with it yeah, because it'll pay off in the long run. And like you don't realize then in band, they, they don't tell you those sort of things that like, you know, play learning your paradiddles and, uh, or like Swiss Army triplets or, or whatever, like yeah, yeah. That, that those are gonna come in handy on the drum set later. Like it's just you you learn it on a snare drum or like the kick drum, 
And like, that's all that you think it ever is. Right. And you're like, well, dude, I've already been, play been playing like rock songs or, or something on, on like the drum set. So it's like, why do I want to stick through this? Yeah. I think part of the problem too is uh, like growing up, I never found a teacher that I actually genuinely like wanted to work with mm -hmm. um, or work on things that I wanted to like actually work on. Um, and like a lot of the teachers that I did have, um, were very just like quick. And if I didn't get it, it was kind of like, okay, well you didn't practice. And it's like, that's not really it. Mm -hmm. You know, I can read the music, I can comprehend it, but then comprehending it and playing it at the same time, is a completely different story, especially if it's, you know, new to me and I'm on the spot with my teacher looking at me, yeah, you know, stuff like that, especially at a younger age. So it was definitely just frustrating, uh, more so than like a building step at that point at least that's what i'm saying looking back like even like like uh i can still like kind of somewhat like vividly remember like auditioning for band like because i only did it sixth grade because my teacher was like I, I came in i was like yeah i was like uh is there an audition for like drum set and they were like that's not until <laughs> seventh or eighth grade band and i yep. was like all right well gotta stick through it this year i guess and then so I, I just remember like going home, I'm like, well, what do I have to do to audition for bands? Like, like, do I have to listen to a song and learn it on this? And he's like, no, like you're going to read sheet music and you're going to play on a, like a snare drum or the bass drum, whatever you're assigned to that day. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so I think I like went home and like he told me like what practice pad to buy. And it was like that white Remo one with like the gray. Oh, yeah. Like Edward's like, it's like, yeah, it sounds like a machine gun almost. Exactly. And, I got that and I bought like this book at um like a music store and that just like went through like paradiddles like he was just like yeah you're gonna learn paradiddles you know like give me like learn like uh, a buzz roll or like the you know or, like the double roll like yeah, that's like yeah, how, yeah. what they called it and I was like okay the buzz roll and I'm like how do I I'm like I never quite learned it but like it gave me like an index it's like this is a quarter note eighth note and then you know and I was just like so thrown off by it but luckily it also had like the the sticking yeah like left right and, and i was it was so like nerve-wracking to me because i was like this is not at all what i'm used to yeah like you're used to just kind of or at least i'm used to just sitting down and kind of playing what i feel yeah rather than playing something specific mm -hmm. that is definitely going to feel a little awkward to you if it's new to you you know yeah because your your body doesn't want to your muscles don't want to function that way there's certain exactly. things that your feet are doing at a different time that your brain is just telling you not to do it. Yeah. So you feel like a robot at first. Cause exactly. you're like, right. Left, left, right. But then you're like, okay, now let's put it in an actual like phrasing. And then you're like, you start tapping it out and, and like, it's not going the right way at first. But then once you get it, you're like, okay, I think I get it. Like, but I never, and I never learned how to like play to a metronome right. like when I was younger. Like it, it's, that was another thing that came like way late in life. I didn't, really ever play to a metronome until I joined Inventure and was like, yeah, we're going to play to a click track live. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. it was so scary to me, but I didn't understand, like, yeah, that's how backtracks work. You yeah, know? no, the first time I ever played to a click track, because um, we had never played to clicks either, even for all our extra samples and the bass drops that we had um, early, like, with the band, um, were just all the pad. I just yeah, did it myself. Mm -hmm. um, I saw Austin... Uh, from Lorna using it at local shows. Yeah. And then uh, this band, Borderlines, I saw their drummer, Chris. Oh, all the time, yeah. He, he was like, yeah, I bought this actually from Austin. And I was like, oh, well, this must be what's up, because like, it's just going through this line of bands that I was yeah. following. 
and uh i finally got one and it like changed our live sound at the time and they Um, sound insane but we wrote uh pieces dead ep in 2016 and then tracked it at the beginning of 2017 and um after we tracked it we pretty much were leaving for our first full us ever um Mm -hmm. i had like booked everything diy um so i was making sure all these shows were lining up and everything was ready to go and then on top of that it was going to be our first time ever playing two clicks so we had Mm -hmm. about i think it was two or three weeks um we took like a couple nights at jeremy jones's house um from jones yep um shout out that dude big shout out uh he let us go to his basement and we practiced and it was our first time ever playing and i just remember the first time playing along and getting off for the first time Mm -hmm. as well and just being like clickly needs to go louder needs Mm -hmm. to go louder yep goes up and like the volume at one point just gets maxed out and i'm sitting here thinking like okay i'm still not used to this i can't really hear and if i put my you know my in-ears all the way into my ears like super compressed you know it almost takes away all other live sounds so it doesn't even sound like i'm playing live yeah it sounds like like i'm just playing to a a track in my ear Uh uh-huh um so it was very nerve-wracking knowing that we were going to practice the clicks for three weeks two weeks and then go on our first full u.s tour Mm -hmm. first real somewhat tour um and just go with the flow kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. it was like we didn't know what to expect the practice i wouldn't say went great so we were just like okay Mm -hmm. like the time is here and we've done all we we possibly could do so let's get through this and funny enough the second show of that tour we actually forgot our click track uh set up at the first venue so the second show of that tour we had to play without him again after reprogramming my brain to play two clicks like you forgot the mixer and everything. we forgot the mixer and oh everything so here i am just like okay what is this gonna sound like if i just count this in with four and then we're gonna go you know no tracks a mm-hmm. lot of the the drops um just sounded very empty but yeah you know you live and you learn for sure 100 percent. i mean if you have a cool enough crowd <laughs> they don't yeah. they won't give a shit like, thankfully we're playing a small enough room like a almost like a house Mm-hmm. So it it didn't really matter. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like the first time like I used clicks, I I was just so nerd. I'm like, I don't even know how this works. Yeah, like, I don't know audio. I don't understand like what mono and stereo is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's what everyone says. Like you gotta split it mono, and then I'm like, what are you even saying right now? But like when you like start incorporating it into your your set, like you know, you, you start understanding. You're like, okay, like this is why so many people do it because it's like you start to become tighter as a drummer and then your live show gets a little bit more enhanced and it just really adds like a a different element to your set oh yeah and like definitely i I think makes you come off a little bit more like professional like you like they know we're they know what they're doing yeah and there's always more to add more things to do better ways to do whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. and like there's always ways to improve your live sound because i know um like we're trying to get on just a full set you know for the entire time just mm-hmm. running because right now we have like individual tracks yeah um, same and for us it worked really well but now we're finding ourselves kind of lacking some of that live uh extra oomph behind you know the set or the live sound mm-hmm. um and we just want it to be a little bit more consistent um so it's we're all we're building and uh 
like eventually we'll get there but yeah like kind of filling those gaps in between songs so it's not just like dead silence yeah like exactly filling it with some like some eerie ambience or something like that i think you guys were doing that on the christmas run that we yeah we had it. we had we added some stuff uh we're just we keep adding stuff uh to keep it relevant just because we haven't released um anything for a little while but mm-hmm. and, and it's good to like constantly like you know dabble and and like add new elements and stuff like that into your to your tracks stuff like that like it just makes the live show like like you said like overall more cohesive and you know it kind of creates like I, I can't think of the right terms but it's like you kind of get locked in you're like like the crowd becomes a little bit more enticed i think like when there's something filling those gaps where they're not just like standing there like you know willing to like talk to their friend or something like that they're still locked into your show like yeah. wondering what's coming next exactly like that's something that like I definitely need to get on for sure. Like we got to do like when this when this is all over this whole COVID shit. Like we're gonna do the laptop setup. Like where it's just like you know Flawless. tracks are all separate. I'm not like playing with my phone anymore because it is weird playing to, like, click tracks like on my phone Yo, like in 2020. You're just pressing play and yeah. But I'll tell you. Time. But the first time we ever did like the one long cohesive like track thing. Okay. And like we didn't know when things were gonna start, and it would just start out of nowhere, and like someone was still adjusting their guitar, and they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm yeah. like, "I told you, be ready." But like, you know, that it would all fall on me, like it was my fault. I'm like, "Okay, well, we got to get better at this." Yeah, yeah. Before we actually implement this, let's let's get let's master this before. That's what I'm saying. But um, so like, how did you like get in- introduced to to Born Anew? Like, really? Because um, so I was in another band called As My Kingdom Falls. Uh, mm-hmm. I was with a bunch of my friends that I grew up with. Um, we had played like in younger, like smaller bands that no one knows about, you know, just like little garage bands that we would put together. Um, we'd cover songs, you know, play originals or try to write originals. Um, and once things started picking up a little bit for that band, uh, we started to like play shows. And at this point I I knew no one in the scene. Um, I didn't know any promoters. Um, I knew absolutely no one, to be honest. We were just starting and uh, jumping into it without even knowing what we were jumping into. Um, But we had played a show at Radiant in Nutley with Born Anew. Um, And I saw their stage presence. And at the time, you know, I was like very into that whole synchronized like jumping and like (laughs) spinning like sirens and sailors type Uh. like stage presence so i saw born anew jumping all as funny as it sounds like literally just jumping in time (laughs) together and i was just like all right well this is sick like this is more than what we're doing it's kind of what i always wanted to see uh there was a little more energy Mm -hmm. um so i just messaged their guitarist after the show and was just like hey man uh, really liked your set. Um, I don't know if you guys need a new drummer or where you guys are with your drummer now. Um, but like, if you ever need someone to fill in or if he can't make a show, you know, I'd love to, to be down and like help you guys out. And he was just like, actually, we have a couple songs, uh, that we have done that we haven't heard any live drums to because, you know, we're having trouble having the our current drummer, uh, like, writing the material for the new songs. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, so send me a couple songs, um, and I'll do what I can. And within, like, an hour or two, I'd put up, like, a small drum cover on YouTube, like, just with my GoPro, and I'd sent it to them. 
and I tried like editing it real nice to like for extra points, you know. Like I put yeah. they had a guitar playthrough, so I put it in the corner of my drum playthrough. So I was like, hey guys, like I got this too. Nice. Um, but I sent it over and they're like, Wow, this is great. Like first time hearing live drums to this and we love it. So it was like a couple days went by and Tyler texted me back and basically said that like I was in. It was like go time. They're like, all right, later, like, dude. All right, time to get him in. Cool, sounds good. And uh, the big part was um, like a practice space because they they didn't really have a practice space at the time. Mm-hmm. So the first time they came over, I had a I have my basement, and you know we have the freedom to put all our gear up, practice full volume, whatever we need. So we did that, and they loved that as well. So it was just like, I guess, right time, right place. Uh, we and then we just meshed really well. And, yeah, and you like initiated history. it. Yeah, I, I basically literally just was like on a whim, just hey, if you need someone, I'm your guy. Yeah, straight <laughs> and, up. And uh, they needed someone, so it worked out. <laughs> I think I did that once back in the day to Era. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, I'm pretty sure I was just like I hey. sent I, like because I was posting those covers all the time, and I started like really getting into Era, and I was like, hey, just uh, putting this out there is like if you ever need a fill-in drummer, like if Alex can't do it or 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 whatever i was like you know i've been basically learning all your material so if you ever need it and i'm pretty sure it's just like a cool cool thanks man yeah. and i was just like that was like ultimate punisher move <laughs> i was like dude we were all punishers but i mean like in like the local scene or something like that like when you're like you know like like i i, I can see myself in this band one day and it doesn't hurt to put yourself out there like hey man really no, do what absolutely. you do so and, and i'm now sure you guys can laugh about it not like oh 100% <laughs> so I would hate to bring that up to him because it's just such like a dorky like memory to me. But it's like, I I was like, wow, I actually just sent that. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't even think about it. But um, so yeah, so you joined Born Anew, and then things start getting a little bit more serious. Yeah. Uh, when I joined, Tyler was in charge of like booking. Um, and that's kind of where, um, I saw potential. You know, here, like I said earlier, my band was just getting into it. We knew no promoters, and clearly this other band born anew had some connects with promoters they had been playing shows um at champs and uh radiant and dingbats and a whole bunch of other places that i had never even heard of but Mm -hmm. i'd see flyers and it'd be them opening up for bands that i really wanted to play with at the time Mm -hmm. um so you know i pretty much let tyler do his thing and i sat back and took notes and really like just tried to understand how things worked and even then, when I thought I did, I had no clue how it worked because I had made so many mistakes looking back. But um, it just kind of transferred over. Me and Tyler would go back and forth between getting shows. And at one point, we would kind of like make it a contest of who could get the bigger show or who could pull off like the next big move for us. So nice. I remember we would go back and forth and he would get a show at Champs. I'd get a show at Radiant. And then he got a show at Croc Rock with the uh, infamous Tom Taylor. Um, fucking legend that played guy. the text in july i declare war reflections tour uh oh shit i forgot through. about that tour that's crazy so we played that and then a couple days later i i sent in our chat i was like yo that was a good show but like i got this and it was like our first time ever playing starland like we got an email just like hey do oh, you guys want to open up so at the time it was cool you know like looking Wait, back, what show was that at starland uh it was the word alive uh, i remember that Holy color fuck. morale our last night Damn. Micah relocate. 
and Holy Bad Rabbits. Oh, Bad Rabbits was on that? Yeah. Oh my god, I loved lo- like Bad Rabbits like a coffee. I used to listen to shit all the time. Yeah, so that was a crazy Was it Bad Rabbits? Something like that. I want to say it was something Wait, like oh, it was, was it Craig Mavitt's band? Yeah, what is that? That's the bad rabbit. Dead rabbits. Or dead something? rabbits. Dead Some, rabbits. Yeah, I, okay, so dead <laughs> rabbits. Not so bad. Like bad rabbits is like soul rock yeah, and like I was pop say, stuff. No way. That's so funny. Okay, so yeah, it was Craig's other band. Yes, like dead rabbits or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, we would just go back and forth, and then I slowly started picking things up, and um, you know, we saw other bands that were making noise in the scene. You know, we would follow Sentinels, Borderlines. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan's other band, older band Premonitions, you know, all these bands we just started making connects with, becoming friends and really um, putting ourselves in the community that we wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it just kind of built, you know, we met new people. People introduced us to other other homies that are now like still our friends um, that we call like some of our closest like band friends or mm-hmm. um, people that we love to play shows with, like in Jersey whenever we have the chance to help build a lineup or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a good, it was a good, uh, building process from the beginning to kind of like when I joined the band, but it was probably the biggest, uh, transition for the band because I would say until I joined, um, everything was on like a whole different scale, basically like the drive, I feel like for all the other members when Tyler was in it and none of us were, um, was not the same. It wasn't equal. Tyler really wanted it. The other guys kind of did, but it was a side thing. So for Tyler, I feel like it was one of the first times that he like had someone on his side, you know, he felt like, all right, well this, this other kid just joined the band and he's doing everything he possibly can for us. And I don't even know him really Mm -hmm. because you know, we didn't even hang out before I joined. I didn't even know the kid. Yeah. So here I am in a band with a, with strangers <laughs> and, you know, we're meshing. So we just rolled with it. You know, we didn't question like this or that. Um, things just kind of kept piling on. It just kind of, it ended up working out, you know? Yeah. It was like things a run its course. Exactly. It was like a significant like change. And like, we, we all like noticed it. Like when you joined the band, like I started seeing your guys' names like on more flyers and like, constantly like playing shows and like you guys would play like with premonitions a lot and um before you knew it that that kind of led to like your guys like first tour yeah i mean the two bands one van tour uh, yeah right uh i wouldn't say it was a a flop but it was close to it you know it's uh, a diy local band yeah it was a it was a joke honestly at (laughs) at first it started out as a joke uh i had texted the guys like hey Let's do something that no one's really doing right now. Like I see um, Sabella, you know, Misgiver, some of those bands that had been doing DIY touring for years before us. They Mm -hmm. just inspired me. You know, I remember hearing Bungler and Sabella doing tours in their own personal cars and just going around following each other and making it work. And I was like, you know what? We can do that. And I looked into how much a van rental would be roughly um how much gas we would need per night and just started running like what i thought were logistic like legit numbers Mm -hmm. um and you know split it between however many heads were in both bands and i put together a plan sent it in a group chat and said hey guys i'm gonna try to do this 
um, I have some time. Let me know. And everyone kind of just was like, all right, cool. Nice. Yeah. You know, like no one took nice. it. No one took it seriously. Bro, so down. And every every couple couple weeks, I would just a new update. Like, hey, guys, I found a connect for North Carolina. We're locked in. Like, you guys good to go? Yeah. Sure. Sounds good. And it was just still, it just didn't click. And for the longest time, I was like, okay, am I building something that's not really possible? Mm-hmm. Um, am I like in over my head? And, you know, before you know it, we have the majority of the dates booked, um, door deals, but, you know, something and, mm-hmm. you know, a tour flyer. And I'm sending it in the chat saying, here we go. And everyone kind of woke up and was like, oh, let's do this. Like, let's go. Let's do this. And mm-hmm. uh, we put together the money. And I still remember that night I went over to where Dom Ligotti was with the rest of the premonitions. Dude, they had they had an apartment. And uh, I went over there and we signed the contract or whatever, the lease together for the van. Yeah. And uh, it was just such a great moment, you know, like. Just, it feels real. Just, yeah, never thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole time, everyone thought it was a joke and it just ended up working out. Yeah, because it's like, because you can talk about an idea to death and and until you see, like, proof of it actually becoming a thing, you know, you can't just be like, well, I don't want to get my hopes up too much on this because what if, uh, what if it doesn't happen or something like that? But it's like when it's like, no, dude, like I'm actually doing this. I'm booking it. And like they see like the proof of it happening, like a flyer or like, Hey man, here's this email confirmed for this. It's like, then everyone gets excited and you know, it gets to that point where you're like, Holy shit, we're actually doing this guys. Like we're, we're taking the steps to getting out of New Jersey. And I remember seeing like when you guys announced like the, like the couple shows and then you were like boom here's the full flyer i was like damn they did it and like you know went out and like commissioned like your own like tour flyers like like i still remember it was like the van like with like a black and white graphic yep, and yep, shit and like, like that pe- like skeleton people like, yeah like sticking out, out. <laughs> i was like damn yeah. dude they're doing it and i was like so stoked and i think we played one of them i think we played the last show like, yeah uh, probably dingbats. dingbats yep and it was it was so much fun i i went to the uh the, the one in long branch as well at uh Brighton Bar. Brighton Bar. Went to that one and I was like, damn, this is sick. I'm, and like the turnout was great. And yeah. so I was like, fuck, I'm at, I'm like stoked, like extra stoked for like the the one in Dingbats because that one went over really well too. It's funny you say Brighton Bar and Dingbats because that was like half the tour. <laughs> we got you so know, funny. like just two Jersey dates. Wasn't it like six days we, or I something? I think we did PA. It, it was six days, but a couple shows fell through like the night we were leaving and I did all I could. But so we, had, we ended up driving to Georgia playing a show all yeah. the way back up oh and, and god just, i didn't even know that jersey jersey new york pa connecticut and all that stuff but i mean it's crazy just to look back like that tour we played um milford connecticut i think it is milford um point beach clubhouse mm-hmm. it was an older venue um that was in the connecticut scene and that's where the first time like we met the dudes in boundaries and nice. we were playing the show and these guys were just moshing so hard and I had, we had no idea who these people were. It was like, finally, we were all the way back from Georgia, you know, like mm-hmm. playing a good show, finally. And we were just all like soaking it in as much as we possibly could, um, you know, and now like they're some of our closest friends. Yeah. Um, so it's just, are yeah, it's just awesome. crazy to look back at like, kind of like the people you meet through the experiences, even if they are flops or if you mess up, um, you know, where that leads you where that led to like now 
you know like so many yeah. friendships that we have came from those first couple tours that we did our our second tour that we ever did we played like two or three of them with degrader and now they're still some of our closest friends mm -hmm. um so it's just nice to see like you know you and your friends both progressing seeing like okay this is where we are now and we were back doing it together in 2013 or 2014 you know yeah exactly and like um, even like the show shows. you played in georgia like you you hooked up with like the dudes in sustenance yep and like sure enough then like the piece is dead like full u.s tour like they were opening a good chunk of those dates exactly because you met at that one show you were like oh, fuck let's just go down to georgia and come back but it's like now you guys are you know lifelong friends because of it and yeah, like you're exactly. always like supporting each other and it leads to bigger things. So even if you think it's like, oh, what are we doing this all for? But then there's still something to come of it later. Definitely. Definitely. But um, so you guys then like later on, you started like booking more tours and stuff like that. Pinder joins the band as like full time bassist. Yeah. And you're like, cool. Time to write an EP. And and you guys put out, you guys recorded Pieces Dead. Yep. Put together the tour and then released it like officially like on that tour and the shows seemed great you guys yeah, know the shows um for the most part were all very good um i tried like this is when i really started getting into like booking tours for other bands even that was something i was gonna ask you about actually because like you you really did start like you know booking other people's shows and like um and then like even joining like an agency and like like booking like tours for them like it wasn't just something you were doing for your, yourself it was like you'd be you obviously branched out so far to where you were like an official like booking agent right yeah and it, even if it was for like lower scale bands uh it felt nice to actually being be able to help bands that were seeking the same type of thing that we were when no one was around to really do it for me or help me out mm -hmm. um but yeah i just found myself investing a lot of time in finding other good local bands or bands that I thought were really good um, to open those shows that we were booking you know like I would try to go even further and find a couple good bands to just lock down and tell the promoter like hey if these guys are in the area like we'd love to play with them and um, a lot of the time it would work out and those bands would be you know the bands to open our shows for that tour and the next tour and the tour after that you know so it was it was really cool like seeing our shows bring in a different state or different cities scene together you know mm -hmm. like we were almost putting ourselves in place of like another local band from that area playing one of their local shows yeah. rather than us being a headliner or the act coming through town you know we were just like you guys have some sick bands. You guys throw a sick show. We'd love to be a part of it. You know, like, let's let's do it. And that's kind of, like, the mindset we always had. You know, we're not here to to be that band coming through your town, making noise. Like, yeah. like let's just have a good time. Like, I like your music. I think we would mesh. And that's kind of how it started. And we became friends with a lot of these bands. And um, a lot of these bands wanted to also, you know, tour and further their band and stuff like that so i would start by just helping book a couple regional dates or throwing promoters out there um a lot of the promoters that i booked through were also in local bands so whenever they took a show they would you know ask for a favor in return sometimes 
And, you know, that's kind of where I started to really pick up how things were working, you know, like connecting with people and helping them out and getting, you know, maybe seeing it in return. Even if it wasn't at that specific time, you know, they favors come back, you know, in the future and help you out even when you thought it wasn't going to come back, you know. 100%. So a lot of these people that, you know, booked my shows or that I helped whenever they would be like, hey, could you help us with a Jersey show? You know, I would do all I could to find good locals, to find people that would draw and put on a good show because I knew that they did that for me. So it was just a respect thing and, and we built off that. And uh, I think it it got us really far as far as um, making a name for ourselves. Like you said, like you started seeing us on more flyers, being affiliated with more bands that were also being talked about. Um, it was just like our way of keeping ourselves relevant at the time, you Absolutely. know, because I'll say it now, I'll say it forever. Born anew is not the craziest music. It's not, it's not for everyone. We, we do what we do and we write what we want to write and we put out music that we want to put out. And at the end of the day, it's like a lot of our friends liked us as friends before they liked our band, you yeah. know? So it, it's just it's cool to see, you know, it's not just about like, yeah, your songs are great. Like, I love your band and let me get close to you because your band's sick and like, I want to play shows with you. You know, it was more Mm -hmm. genuine than that. It was more like, yo, you're coming through, like, let's hang out and then let's play a show. Absolutely. So it was was cool because we really wanted to build friendships with a lot of people um, rather than just, um, we want to build relationships with people that would last. Of course. So, and it's a good thing, and it's it, it's clear that like they were like effective, like friendships and and like relationships with these bands because like still to this day like so many people like people you mentioned like they hold you to like high esteem, and right. they're and every, and people always like mutual friends of ours and stuff like that. They're like I fucking love those guys. They work so hard and like, and it shows, man. Like you guys like got to where you were literally on 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 your own merit, just like working hard. And mm-hmm. non-stop going. Cause like, like when you guys did start touring, I would see like you guys posting like new flyers for like new tours like every two months, every three months, and I was like, holy shit! Like they are non-stop. Yeah. And like something is gonna happen because of it. So it's like before you, like I think you guys did like maybe like three runs or something like that, renting vans, and then you were like, no, you know, we're gonna fly to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and buy Reflections van. Yeah. And then drive it back. Yeah, our old vocalist saw an ad for it for a really good price and sent it to us. And we were just like, all right, that's not possible. <laughs> and then we kind of like let it sit in the chat for a couple of days. And, um, you know, the idea came back and surfaced and we talked about it again. And we were just like, all right, how can we really work this out? And um, we were just like, it's go time. Let's do it. Let's just work it out. Yep. And um, we made it work. We had Ryan and Pinder fly out. They picked up the van from Francis and then drove it all the way back. And uh, she's been a good old steed since. Hell yeah, dude. But she's definitely falling apart a little bit now, but we definitely try to keep the maintenance up. Of course. And I mean, got you, got, you guys put the miles on her quick. Oh, but, yeah. But. Definitely. Because you wanted it and because you were hungry for it and like that drive is still there today and every tour you do it just gets bigger and bigger and and you know you got the response just gets better and better every time and like it just shows that like if you 
want it bad enough and like you work at it, like you will, you know, you'll see a difference in your crowd mm-hmm. and just how far it spans. Yeah, and also like after the three little runs that we had did DIY, I think it was like enough um, evidence for us to be like, okay, uh, this is kind of what we want to do, you know, because for those first couple runs, we weren't going to just buy a van and call it a day. So I think after having those under our belt and coming back and still feeling positive about how things are going and how we want to move forward, I think it was just a big step as far as like committing to really making this thing like to, to giving it our all, you know, it was, it was also a lot cheaper than, than to just throw out a couple grand before every little run. It's um, the worst. Like when you look at the numbers and like comparison, you're like, Jesus Christ. Like I'd rather just like make a monthly payment like all together than like just drop a few grand Yeah, exactly. for a couple days. Yep. Like it's, it, it's an investment like in a long-term investment and, and it's, it's so much more worth it. Like it sucks that it's like yeah it's another thing I got to keep up with. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like it's yours, and like you guys made it all cozy. You got your like curtains up in there and shit, and it's, yeah. it's like your second home. You yeah, know? everyone does those little like digital tour bus videos. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm just trying. I'm waiting for that. Yeah, so we could show off the curtains and the little setup. Yeah, because I feel like every band there. has their own little setup. That's what I'm every saying. Every band is set up differently. Yeah, because we, we only, like, because unfortunately when we got our van, it was at such short notice because it was for the, the Stasic tour. Okay. And we found out that the the tour, like, when it got announced, we were like, oh, shit, this is happening in three weeks from the announcement date. Like, it was, I don't care. It, it was not a good, like, and even, like, the people, like, at, at the label and, like, everyone affiliated knew they were like, this is not good. Like... It was just thrown together pretty quick, and and they were like, all right, well, we're gonna get it sponsored by Green Vans to help the bands who don't have a van, you know, get a cheaper rental. Yep. And when I talked to Scott, our manager, I was like, so what's it like with like the discount? He's like, well, the tour is starting in Texas, and uh, the way it's routed, it's like you're putting extra miles on it than what the the rental allows for. So with the discount, you're looking at uh about six six grand, and I was like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and for the next week or the next four days, I barely ate. Oh. I had such bad anxiety. Yep. And I was like, how are we going to do this? Is this going to happen? I'm like, we're going to fall apart before we even begin. And oh like, it God. was terrifying. And I was like, dudes, I don't know what we got to do. So like, I finally talked to my dad. I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. I'm stressing about it. Like, I can't, like, I'm so depressed right now. Like this, like, I don't know how we're going to make this happen. I was like, they expect us to do this tour. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to do it without a van? He's like, have you guys considered buying one? And I'm like, well, no, it's expensive. He's like, yeah, but like you pay it off together and yep. you put down a sizable chunk, whoever you can, like in the band, put something down and you make it happen. And when he was like, let's go look tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And things just start, like slowly Didn't got eat better. for another four days. <laughs> yeah, still was like stressed and barely eating. Like I was considering like dipping into like, the 401k I had building up from work, be like, I'm going to take some money out of there. How like, do we make this work? <laughs> so it was like, I was like stressing every option. But then like, you know, we started looking around and like, honestly, like all the, the 15 passenger vans around, like we, it was just not a good option for us, like financially. Like, right. Cause like everything was like newer or like older than uh, a 2010. 
And like it was something like if, if it's earlier than 2010, then the interest rate's going to go up a lot higher. And we were like, fuck that. And then we came across what we have now. And it's a, a 12 passenger, which is a weird thing for like a Torian band. But we were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rip out these two benches, going to throw a full size mattress in there, yep. memory foam, and just make it all comfy. And like, you know what? We actually make it work. Yeah, no, it does the job. That thing's comfy. Yeah, as long as you can, like, just make it comfortable for yourself. And, you know, and, and, like, the van, like, was, it was such a good deal. It was, like, under, it was, like, under 100,000 miles. And, like, we were, like, this this couldn't have worked out better. Yeah. And we got it, and just slowly things just started getting better and better. Like, like with, like, before that tour, like, things started coming closer and closer. We're, like, we got this. Like, because once you get that, you're, like, fuck, man, we're a real band now. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the van is like the the big level up <laughs> it's moment a big commitment. Yeah. For everyone in the band. It is. Yeah. So like once that happened, we were like, all right, we're ready to go. We can take on anything now. We're not making uh, these ridiculous rental payments anymore. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's funny. We, we were talking about like those first couple runs that we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was the third one that we did with uh, Illusionist. That, that tour yes. was originally going to be you guys and Illusionist. I think and I, remember I was that. gonna help book some dates, and then I basically told Sam like, "Hey, like, if this doesn't work out with you guys, like, I'm working on dates for us, and I'll throw you guys on, um, like, with the dates." And it didn't work out for you guys, and that's how we ended up doing it. But it's just crazy to look back that like you guys were gonna be. I forgot about that. We've been, we've been homies crazy. for a minute. Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy. Yeah. It's like eventually we signed to the same label. Yeah. You know, like affiliated with the same people and like eventually playing shows together. Like we're meeting up halfway across the country together to play a show in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, that was definitely like a very sick moment. That it was, was. Like, kind of surreal. Because you were like ending a tour, I think, like yep. coming back from one. And, you guys and we were, in the were middle. Yeah, we were in the middle and we were like, oh, shit. Like we're meeting up with our hometown friends in Omaha, Nebraska. I think we had a couple of shows. Um or not shows drop. We had a couple of days off because it was right around Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I remember you guys had a couple shows out. Maybe one or two of them were like, okay. But like, I know one of them was like kind of shot or whatever. Oh, yeah. So it was just real good to like have that middle point. Yeah. Where and I just was like, like meet up. The show is great. It was all homies. Like, yeah. I was like, dude, I could care less if this show is bad now because I'm like just relieved and excited to be out here with like our closest friends. Yeah. Like, out here. Because, like, yeah, like, right before that, I think it was the show, like, right before or right after Thanksgiving. And that was in uh, Colorado. I think it was at the Black Sheep. Yep. And we we got there, and the venue was big, and we were like, cool, we'll have a good sound. We're like, are people going to show up to this? And sure sure enough, it was one of of two shows where there were 100 people or a little bit more. Yeah. And we were like, thank fucking God, man. Because <laughs> we are like, I have no idea what, what's going to happen. And then next day, I think we met up with you guys in yeah. Omaha. And it was actually a sick show. Yeah. It was so sick that uh, us and Degrader blew the power. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. It was so funny. Thomas's cab wasn't working yeah. at all. That was the night I smashed my finger, too. Yes. Like, real bad. I was thinking about this earlier today because yeah. I was like, dude, because... One thing that that people like love about watching like you play is you hit so hard, right? And you like you put your full body into like the double crashes and just like the yeah 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 like, and so it's so entertaining to watch your set. Everyone's like body banging, like swaying, and then 
next thing I know, I just see you. You're like, fuck, like you're holding your finger. And I'm like, what? And you just like look up and you like jokingly just like wave your yeah, finger. Just, like, and it's like looking like it's hanging. Like by th- I'm yeah. like, oh my God, it's like a noodle. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what is happening? And then you're just like, whatever. <laughs> like going. Yeah, you know, it's a hard hit too. And like you hit the rim with your knuckle, but it's still a full velocity snare hit that comes through. Yes. <laughs> so it's just like, fuck. It was that rough. And you, did you like break it or like sprain it or something? Uh, it, I just let it heal. Uh, when I got back from that tour, I got it checked out and they said there was nothing wrong with it. Jeez. So it was just, just such a hard chill. hit. But then a few months after, um, actually more than a few months, it was in, at Colfest later that summer, mm-hmm. that same year, but I smashed it again and the <sighs> same thing happened. So I, I just have to like tape it before I play now just for extra um, reinforcement. You know, yeah. just in case. Dude, seeing you wiggle that thing at us and like you're like, ha <laughs> And then just went right back into it. I was like, holy fuck, dude. Like, I didn't start smashing my knuckles on my drums and like like bleeding on my snare until my first show with Sentinels. Because I used to always see their old drummer, Matt. Oh, man. Like, every show, like, apparently, like, he would post it. He'd be like, another show. And like, it was just a bloody knuckle shot and there's blood all over his snare. And I'm like, I'm like, how ridiculous do you have to be behind? I'm like, you can still hit hard, but you don't have to bloody yourself up. And then, sure enough, my first show, just filling in for Sentinels, I smashed my knuckle on the snare. And I'm bleeding, and I'm like, dude, it's the band. They're, like, they're cursed. Like, they fucked their drummers up. Yeah, that's (laughs) crazy. But, like, it's just your finger gets all, like, hot and, and, like, cold at the same time. You're like, fuck. You're like, how am I going to get through this set? But then you're like, whatever, man, just rip it. It's crazy. When you first joined Sentinels, um, I had listened to that first EP Idols like so much. <laughs> yeah. I like knew the drum parts in my head. And seeing uh Kevin and Matt both play, I'm like Matt liked to improv. All Kevin the time, improved. yeah. You know, it was never exactly what was programmed or whatever. Um, yeah. to for the songs. And when you joined and I saw you play the set, I was like, wait a minute, he's playing the drum parts. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is actually like what's in in the recording, and that's when I knew it was gonna be like the perfect fit, um, Word. for Sentinels. Like when I saw you playing like their material and could actually play, um, like all the parts because they're demanding, you know. So. That's that's why I think it's because like the material is so demanding. It was the first stuff Especially I like. Especially the old shit, dude. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Everything's like full velocity. It's hard hitting the whole time and it's like there's so much blasting on it because they were like bordering the lines between like progressive like metal and like death core yeah and i was like dude this is so out of my my field but i was like i have to push myself because like they asked me and like i already said yes so like i gotta do it and luckily i had about like two and a half three months to learn it and like that plus age of revision mm-hmm. and i was like well i want to do it justice i was like and i loved the material so much like i had listened to it a little bit before that but when they asked me that that's when i like really became obsessed with it and like in learning it exactly or at least the best i could i even told him i was like there's some things that i, I couldn't quite do because it seemed a little impossible for me so like i had to like or just impossible in general yeah 100 percent, dude on continuity there is like a euro blast but the snare is grabbing like like it's a gravity blast yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like and apparently it was like an accident and then aaron was just like oh yeah like it's <laughs> <laughs> like they always they're like yeah you know grabs and i'm like not a fucking chance but like that was just the kind of drummer that Kevin was where he was just an animal and he could play anything. Like, dude, he didn't even play to a click. Yeah, first, I think I only saw them once with Kevin. 
Yeah, and like they had mentioned that he was just like he's like I, I can't hear the click or something like that. So they would just like play like the start of like the tracks like for like the intro of a song, and then it would just from there on it would just be no click, and he would play it faster than it actually was already, which is like fucked up yeah, like yeah. their fingers would be like like all over the fretboard <laughs> i'm like dude you poor bastards oh like my gosh it's insane to think about so like and what was kind of easy for me was like the way that like matt had the clicks set up and like that's i just took the clicks how he he gave them to me it was literally just like a count and click to start it and then it was just the song so i was like basically playing it live how like i was practicing it for a while when I was just playing along to the songs and I already gotten used to how like the gaps were like, when, when there was a tempo drop full song no, no no like now now it's like more normal like I have the click all the way through like it, like there's like the there's like the little bit of like lighter click to kind of give me like the the pace and then it's like the actual clicks like the cowbells kick in for like okay, how yeah. for like when it's like actual cue like and like four count eight count eight usually count? yeah so it's like one two three four then like I start like clicking the stick or like yep, yep. whatever and so like that's how it is like now but like then when we did world divide stuff it turned into me not playing along to guitar tracks i was playing along to the drum tracks because that's interesting yeah it was weird and it was because those songs were like almost somehow even more demanding because i like it was my first like piece of writing like with the band so i was like well how like how am i going to do this i have to write more extreme parts <laughs> because yeah. i know what they want they want like fast crazy crazy shit and so like even the crazier stuff on world divide is like a more toned down version of what was originally programmed before oh, yeah. i joined so i was like all right well i gotta make them happy somehow yeah and so i just like had to like kind of remember the drum parts somehow so like i just felt like if as long as i'm playing what i'm hearing in my ears then i'm doing good interesting yeah and it was not good <laughs> <laughs> the, some of those sets for me were so botched and i was like so okay. you had no guitar at all just straight drum tracks just straight drum and wow. a little, little bit of samples i think it was such a weird thing but now it's like i play to like reference guitars from the album okay with, yeah. with the click i was gonna say that's what i have too. just click and reference with all the other samples yeah and then like i, I just control like my triggers in my ear and stuff like that which dude that was terrifying incorporating triggers into i'm scared that you're saying that because i'd I'm just about to start doing that. I just picked up like the trigger setup and whatnot and have everything set up. But yeah. I haven't quite put it together with like my mixer and having like the triggers run back into my ears to where I can hear the, the trigger kicks yeah. um, and all of that. So I could like, I could show you, always show you my setup and like how I have it and stuff like that because like I got it to a point where it's like easy to manage now. But like at first it was more anxiety driven because i didn't get it figured out until the first show of the stay sick tour like yeah. i i got some extra like cables to make it a little bit better right before the first show in austin okay and then like the first time i hit the triggers like for the song it freaked me out because the kicks in my ears were so loud and i wasn't prepared for it i'm like oh god i'm that sloppy like this is <laughs> this is bad and yeah. like it was a lot of anxiety that night i wasn't prepared for definitely but basically like sums up drummers got it difficult for, for the last yeah, show yeah, yeah. we're listening to shit like it's crazy to hear like how drummers diff like differ and like what they have in their ears for like live shows and stuff like that like matt from periphery he plays to like click and then the actual full album song in his ear he does like really? even though the whole band is on uh in ears like he doesn't want to listen to what's going on on stage because if someone else messes up then it throws him off and everything else just goes bad so it's like when they're all playing to a click, they're all just like 
they're all listening to themselves, but he's like, nope, I'm playing the song. I I'm know not. the uh, the drummer from Oceans 8 Alaska, he plays to just click. Yep. Nothing else. Because he is a robot, man. He doesn't need anything. And, like, he's the one writing all this stuff, so he's already more familiar with it than everyone else, I'm sure, which is, like... Crazy. Insane. That guy is out of this world. Yeah. I think... I don't remember who... Who's, I think it was Austin. Austin said, like, uh, the... When when it was uh like Lauren Shore doing the uh the Chelsea Grin uh, that, yeah. Desolation of Eden tour, Ocean's Eight Alaska was on that. And he listened to Chris's click tracks and he was like, Bro, I got anxiety right now for you and he's like, It's not that hard, but <laughs> like yeah. it's it's crazy like to think about like what he's got going on in his ears because it's probably terrifying. Yeah, the tempo changes and modulation and just literally a click changing from just being like dot 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 dot. That, yeah, like that, I, it's just I can't even fathom it, dude. I like, and if you get lost, there's no finding your place. Yeah, I, I gotta show <laughs> I gotta show you some of the clicks that we had to create for for our new album because it's it's funky. You're saying some of them are set, kind of like more to the feel of how you actually play it rather than like on time. Than, than what like Chris kind of wrote it to. Like it is like kind of like on time. It's just a weird feel. Okay. Like I don't fully know how to explain it, but like like that's how I would hear upbeat, it. Offbeat, offbeat kind of thing. Like yeah, just switching. And Randy would be like, "Hits what?" He's like, "That's how you hear." I'm like, "Dude, that's just how I feel it." He's like, "Well, this is what you're tracking to, so it's got to be how you feel it." And so he would just listen and be like, "That's fucked. <laughs> that's <laughs> fucked up." And then like when you listen to the rhythms, it's like, "Okay, I guess that's how you follow because that's just what you're hearing in your head." But like, that's what it is. It's like sometimes like a groove can be interpreted different ways oh absolutely so that's kind of like how i looked at it and some of the stuff was like so demanding that i'm like that's kind of how, how i have to go with it and yeah because when i was listening to it straight i was like this is even weirder to me like this almost doesn't make sense but i'm also not a professionally trained ear so i just kind of have to go with how i'm grooving to things yeah no that makes sense but um so like it, eventually you know back to like you guys were touring and like you got your van and like things are picking up for you guys. And then next thing you know, like you guys are picking up management and like a, and like a booking agent and then eventually, you know, leads to getting signed. So like, how did that all kind of like come together? Yeah. I mean the, um, the booking agent was just like more of like a friendship, homie hookup kind of thing. Um, like, like I said, I was booking pretty much everything for ourselves um, up to middle of 2017, mm -hmm. 2000, yeah, 2017. And, um, at the time I was working for Sean, um, under Arkham agency and I would just hit him up one day and said, Hey man, like I'd love to focus more on helping my bands on my roster build and being able like be able to put folk more time and focus into these bands and making sure that their dates are going to go through well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, Hey, like it'd free up some time if you just booked my band, <laughs> yeah. kind of like a joke. And for the first couple of times, uh, you know, Sean was just like, I think you guys need to build a little bit more. Um, you guys are doing great things. Um, but I just don't really have the time for it right now. Uh, all that stuff. And basically I just kept at it. And over time I would just bring it up here and there as a joke. And one day he was just like, yeah. I'll do it. So that's kind of how we got our booking agent. Sean is still our booking agent. Um, he's seen us from where we started to where we are now. Um, so he, he's a true homie, a day one. And uh, if 
feels good having someone on the team, um, you know, that that's more of like a friend yeah. that we can talk to, um, not always on business level. You know, we can be real with each other, no problem, uh, stuff like that. But he was friends with Joel from Pinup, and uh, that's how we got acquainted with Pinup Artist Management. So we kind of did both of those at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, we we're like, okay, cool. So we've been touring without management and a booking agent. So now we have those things. Let's just continue doing what we're doing. Um, so, you know, the EP was out. And we have this thing where we just love to tour off of the material for an extended amount of time. <laughs> And we don't mean to do it, but it just ends up happening. Like our first EP that we don't like to talk about much new chapter, our first ever EP as me, um, Ryan in the band and Tyler. That yeah. is, um, that EP was written before I was even in the band, uh, for years. They had been playing it and I rewrote all the drum parts when I joined. We played that for two more years after that so we're on like five years of old material and then pieces dead drops in 2017 and ei doesn't drop till 2019 so we just always loved to just tour 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 you know like it wasn't um so much about getting new material out as it was just getting our name out there for sure really just trying to get the material that we did have already out into the hands of more people or, yeah. in, you know, in the ears of more people. Um, and it, it was working, you know, we were starting to generate a name for ourselves. People started, um, picking out little lines of our EP that, you know, they connected with that became like one liners that people love to yell back and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we just saw, um, it slowly pick up by itself, you know, and 100%. we kept, we kept running with it. And now with the full team that we were building, we were able to really move full force. Um, so we just kept pushing and pushing and trying to trying to get as much as we possibly could. Um, and we basically finally got to a point where we we're like, all right, it's time we really need to write a full length. Yeah. People want to hear new things. Um, you know, we've kind of gotten to the point of like all we could do with the EP. Of course. Um, so we took the time off and we wrote the full length after our tour with Extortionist. We did that Canadian tour uh, with Falsifier oh, and Extortionist. That's right, yeah. And um, as soon as we got back from that, we took, off, we took off from May of 2018 to November, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And that's when that Fight Rips tour was with Extortionist and Distinguisher. Yes. So by that time, the full length was completely written um tracked everything was done and we had shot uh, a music video got everything together pretty much to shop out because we were like all right this is the next step let's see who we can get bites from or let's just shoot for the sky kind of thing yeah like see if Um, we can get any grabs on it because exactly you're at the point now where you have a lot under your belt you have the experience you know how things work and you're like well we want this to reach as many people as possible and like even for a band that is working hard, like like you guys, it's still you're still a new band to the world, mm. and you're like, well, a label can help push us to the next level. Exactly. So we had um, we had our team basically just shop out, and uh, we didn't hear back for that whole tour um, from anyone really 
Um, so we were like a little discouraged, but you know, from the get go, we were just like, all right, if we don't land anything, it's fine. This happens. Like we just keep pushing. So we already had set up for ourselves, you know, um, expecting the worst so that we weren't let down. Um, so it was kind of like towards the ending, uh, the end of like our shopping or pitching process, you know, we were kind of out of options. Emails were sent. We were waiting to hear back and nothing was coming through and that tour ended and we finally got an email back saying like hey like stay sick is definitely interested we'd love to work with you stuff like that um so we went over the contract did all that stuff yada 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 and signed with stay sick um they put out the full length eternal isolation and then from there it was full force you know just uh keeping up with what we were doing pushing out content uh, new music videos were um, recorded after, you know, the signing. Um, more tours started coming up. And, you know, momentum was just coming our way, basically. We were just taking it and run- running with it. Yeah. It's like, and I remember at that show, like, in Omaha, I think that was, like, when you told me you guys got the offer from them. Yeah, like, it was right around that time because we were, it was towards the end of that tour. We yeah, had that's just a- We had just left, um being with distinguisher and extortionist like it was pretty much our routing home yeah so we were by ourselves and that's when we got the news um and yeah you guys were like one of the first people that we saw like after getting the news yeah and it know? was like because we were like newly on that like label as well like it, it just kind of happened with for us recently and and i was like well honestly with like the majority of the bands on their bill it's like you're a perfect fit and like you you can stick out and, and do your things like what you guys do like you do it very well and you know people obviously love it so like the people that are already following that label and love the other bands on there like extortionist and distinguisher and stuff like that even though i think they kind of came a little bit later with their announcement on the label but like there were other bands like similar so i was like this is like really a a good home for you guys and like because we we were like the weird ones out on that label right and i was like if they like us and you know and their their wheelhouse is like metalcore like you guys will 100% stand out and like the material because like you were playing the the album for for us in Degrader in, in the van and I was like dude this is fucking good man like yeah it's like you took what you did on Pieces Dead but like it got you know more mature and like and you can tell that the time off was well put into it yeah no definitely I appreciate that I uh I think overall too the timing of all of that was just really cool because like all of the bands like you were saying, Degrader and Distinguisher, um, Bloodline, like all these bands that were just in the same circle were kind of all at the same point in their band's career where it was like, okay, like we've been grinding and doing like what we can and now we're trying to get a label. Like let's all shoot at like what we can and see what we can get. And, you know, we were all kind of just like waiting to see where we'd get placed and yeah. then we all land on the same label <laughs> and we're all just looking around like all right this is sick it's a big community it's all friends um so it was just really cool to see like at that time like a bunch of younger artists all get put on at the same time um all bands that knew each other before they even joined the label together yeah um and just really have a good push in the industry of like newer bands Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's definitely more relevant now than it has been for sure. You know, with newer bands getting signed um, to 
bigger labels like Unity going to Pure Noise, you know, or Definitely. 156 with Sharp Tone, you know. It's huge. Super sick for all these guys. And I feel like a couple years ago, that wouldn't really be an option for younger bands, you know. I feel like it'd oh, be yeah. really tough for us younger bands at our stature to to be taken seriously and to 100%. be even taken um, as like an option for the label, you know. So it's really cool that like I feel like people are opening up to just having younger talent, of course, join and like come up and move into the industry with these other people. And a lot of the bands I feel like even that we all look up to are also um, kind of not giving back, but being more open to bringing younger bands on their tours, um, creating outlets for us younger people to connect with the people that we look up to. You know, like, I feel like overall everything's kind of become more of a closer-knit community where people are kind of helping each other out more than we were. Because when we were first starting out, I'll be honest, you know, I asked questions and as a young band, I don't blame other people for not giving me answers, but I wasn't getting anything. Yeah. So it's cool to see that, like, it's not the same attitude. Yeah. And people want to see other people thrive. Everyone's looking out for each other. People understand that, like, there always needs to be more music, more bands, new bands, new people coming up. Um, So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely it's changed over the years for sure a hundred percent because like like our friendship with with currents like luckily that that stemmed back like um before i was even with the band like they uh like sentinels had just like gotten booked on like i think the same show like with currents like somewhere in massachusetts or connecticut and like they they just took a liking to each other and like i think you know my band was already affiliated or like at least uh they were already like they they knew who currents were and they're like this band's sick and right. they're doing great shit and so like when they played a show together like since then it blossomed into like this really close friendship and the next thing you know they're they're doing like a, a like a small run of shows to like support their album at the time were you on that uh that was like my that's what i got like like brought on for was like hired yeah like hired, hired yeah I didn't get paid, but it was just like, you know, for fun experience. I don't care. It's like I get my first taste of the road. And like it was with a band that like, you know, was getting some popularity and stuff like that. And um, so we did that. And luckily, because of that, our manager now, Josh, he 17 at the time, but like he was a close friend of Currents. Like they grew up in the scene together pretty much. And he was like a TM for that tour. And like he helped us like get things together like he helped us settle with promoters and stuff like that and uh because of that friendship like like us with currents and stuff like that and like not to say like you know thanks for getting us there you know your your friendship helped us out in that way but like them being like such genuine people like looking out for us and like including josh that's how we got connected like with with scott and then stay sick records and shit like that because when scott was like you know kind of looking for bands and stuff like that to affiliate like he was like uh i need some metalcore bands and josh was like he's like i i don't know that many and then he's like oh this is my friend's band sentinels like and we put out that uh neurosis video on metal injection Mm -hmm. and like that got us some like attention like being on like a site with as much like esteem as metal injection like he showed it to them uh to scott and he was like dude I, i gotta get in touch with them right and so because of that friendship like that's what luckily 
you know, it helped us and, and it got us the attention that, you know, we, we had been seeking. And, yeah, no, uh, and I think it was cool that it kind of all fell together too for, for your band and both my band as well. Um, it was more of an organic feel rather yeah. than like really getting a handout or like um, asking for another favor. Yeah. You know, it was like presenting everything we possibly could that we had under our belt, you know, up to that date and just hoping someone would kind of help us out and, you know, give us a shot for all the hard work that we were putting in. So I think it was, it's cool to see that like the hard work started paying off a little bit for the younger bands and we were starting to get a little like more shots at, um, you know, what we actually were trying to achieve with the bands, Definitely. you know, taking it to a next level and getting our music out to more people, et cetera. A hundred percent. And like, because of like the hard work that you had put in already, and then now getting like this this platform to put it out on, you know, you guys had a good first week and you know, people were like buying and streaming the shit out of the record. And it's like and that puts you more so in the front of the line for like better tours and stuff like that. Cause then shortly after that, um I'm trying to think like what was like the first tour you guys did it like after Eternal Isolation dropped? Um, we did the Greater's release tour. Did that one? Yep. Yeah. So we did that and then we did our release tour. Mm-hmm. And then after that is kind of where we started. Um, we were able to push, you know, the numbers that we had gotten back from first week. Um, we had the label helping us. You know, at this point, our team is pretty much fully engaged, fully put together. Yeah. And we're just moving full force. Um, and we started to get like a couple better offers. You know, we did the Sharp Tooth Obey the Brave tour. Yes. And we did. That was it. Um, bury your dead and upon a burning body. So like that's right through that year um, 2019 after the record drop, we started seeing things pick up a lot more and you know, right at the right time. I feel like it always happens right at the right time, you know, right when you think your band is stagnant or you think, okay, what can we do next? Or what am I not doing right? You know, something pops up to like give you more hope. Exactly. So the fact that we have been able to work so hard and see any of any results from any of that work is just rewarding because as we move forward, those rewards are getting better and better and better. For sure. And, um, you know, it just pushes us to continue working just as hard or even harder to just get to achieve the other things that we want to do or to keep just growing and getting bigger things and bigger opportunities. Without a doubt. Cause like when you go from like touring with like bands, your friends with like distinguisher extortionist, um, uh, falsifier, it's like, it's like, those are great tours and like, and you guys are doing great on it. And then like when you start getting like these offers with like upon a burning body and like barrier dead, it's like, you're like, damn, like, we're doing it like yeah. it's it's paying off and like you're seeing the change and like it just it's such a gratifying feeling like i don't know it, something switches in your head where you're like fuck man yeah those tours i take like i feel like we take a lot more from or take away a lot more from um than like another tour like that is with our homies you know because when we when you're with your friends like it kind of seems like every day you wake up and like you guys kind of like get into a motion you know like you guys see each other at the planet fitness or you get a f- you get some food before the show you see each other at the show bullshit after the show 
um, familiar faces all around. But when you start getting like these other offers with bands that like you really are striving to tour with or like to share the stage with, um, you know, you're not with your friends, you're with new people. And then through that, through that tour, you meet those bands, teams that come with them on tour. And like, that's just where the connections start flowing, you know, as Mm -hmm. those tours and those offers get bigger, more opportunity for you to make an impact with, you know, other people in the industry that have a name for themselves or have been around for a while that or that work with multiple bands and not just the band that you're on tour with at the time you know it's it's those connects that um i always personally try to make sure that i solidify before the tour is over Mm -hmm. um whether it's just me personally and they know my name or they know the band's name and remember the music or maybe they don't even really like us and you know they we're just on the tour and he just likes us as people you know, it's just any th- any way to connect with those people and just um, create a picture for those people um, in their brain to yeah. remember your your name, your face, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like is really important, even with uh, you know the bands, teams, and stuff like that. You know, f- farther than just the band because those other people have other connects. Mm-hmm. Those other people will help you out down the line if you know those friendships end up lasting and so on and so forth you know absolutely like that that was something i i experienced like when like our first like run of shows like with uh within the ruins because that was like the first thing that like we saw that was like oh wow like we're getting like runs and like of shows and like playing shows with these bands that like we listened to like starting like five six years ago and we were Mm -hmm. we were opening for them like when they would play at champs or uh somewhere else and like it was like it was we had like six days to start with uh with within the ruins and i was like i didn't want to be like the kid who's like you know like oh like loved your band like you know opening up and stuff like that but like you you kind of like you want to build that that connection and like you start to like find these similarities and like and one thing like i i didn't really expect was like that this band who's been like grinding for so long like they were all such chill dudes and like we hit it off like really quick and and you know we still like stay in touch to like to this day and uh like we're still like so grateful for like those opportunities like that they were like yeah uh bring them out for this this run of shows and then they're like oh yeah we have some slots open for these shows too yeah bring them out like it's cool like it was it was awesome yeah or even like just going through their city on another tour and just being like hey like you guys want to crash you know just anything like some like even in ways that you don't think it'll benefit you know absolutely it just creates so much opportunity for your band and 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 things like that 100 percent. and like that that's something like that you know i that's like probably the biggest thing i I take away from like touring is like the friendships and like the like the relationships you make on that road on the road because like sometimes like you won't even expect it but you're like i became friends like with their merch guy Mm -hmm. and like or uh, like the the TM or, or like the front of house guy that's on that tour, and like their connections like a, as well, and like you kind of, as time goes on, you're like, hey, we need a front of house guy. Like, would you do it for you know for this tour or some shit like that? Like, there's so many good like relationships uh, and connections that that can come from touring other than just like, like, hey, bro, how's you doing? How you doing today? Want to 
Yeah. Like it's there's so much that you can like gain from from touring that like I I don't think a lot of people like think at first and then you start to I don't know, you just start to experience it as you go and you're like damn, like now like I'm on tour with Amir and after the burials uh like front of like front of house guy and you're like it's not really uh, a connection I would have expected, expected to make on this. Yeah. And like, you know, it just eventually grows and and you start to become close with these people that you never would have thought you would cross paths with yeah yeah and i feel like we keep saying like the same thing relationships and friendships and like pushing full force and things like that and connections and like i feel like a broken record player you know because like every podcast i'm on i'm constantly drilling the same same words the same words come out of my mouth and it's just because it's so important you know like to someone who's not in the industry and who you know, any listener who's literally just listening to this as like a fan or a homie or something like that, maybe has no idea how the music industry works. You know, like we kind of sound crazy, like, oh yeah, like we made connects with that guy's merch guy. It's like to those people, it's like, why is that merch guy important? But it really is, you know, because like 100%. you said, like these connects just come full circle more times often than not. Absolutely. Where it's like in your brain, you personally just have that moment where it clicks and you're like, holy shit that's it all makes sense like boom that's full circle and it's just like you check it off the list you know it's like there's another guy yep homie and you know so like we say it all the time but connections relationships building those things facetime with these people interacting with the bands the fans the the team members everyone just it's so important you know absolutely like it it sounds like something weird to like for for I guess people who don't fully understand it, but like you said, like it, it, the relationship and connection part is so important, and like it really does it create like an everlasting effect, mm-hmm. and like cause, you know you talk to these people every day, and uh, I don't know, it's just it's probably the the thing I value most about it, and like knowing that you can probably catch up with them years down the road, yeah, and like it's as if no time has passed, and then there can there's also things that can come from it i think like austin was saying on your last podcast um he creates like the clothing mainly so people can feel like they're a part of something when they're wearing it you Mm -hmm. know i feel like it's the same kind of thing it's like when you have those connections and then you don't see that person for maybe a year or months or however long it is until the next time you go through their city or the next time you tour together that next time that you do meet up you know it makes that connection and makes everything like worth it Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you feel like you're uh, actually a part of a community. Like, okay, I haven't seen you in forever, but we can talk like, like I've like we're best friends, like neighbors almost. You know, like I see you every day, so it definitely is important. Absolutely. Um, so since like touring is kind of you know, unfortunately on hold for like the unforeseeable future, like the best thing to do like now and with all this dead time is pretty much like create and like get new material ready so like you guys have been working on new shit and like you have something coming out like because this will be out like pretty much the day the the single drops which you guys have been promoing a new single like and is yeah, there anything else coming with that yeah so we've been promoing the single for the past uh month we basically started at the beginning of october and we cleared like all our socials and whatnot um and have been just kind of piecing things together um we released uh, like our artwork for the single World of Black uh, at the beginning of the month as well to help push with the pre-save. 
um, and the response has been pretty good. Um, the video is out as well. Um, mm-hmm. That video is done by Nick Chance. Uh, when we kind of had the idea of like a new video and thinking about where we wanted to shoot it and kind of keeping the lyrics in mind and keeping everything cohesive, um, we remembered that we had a connect with a shooting range um, in South Jersey. So we hit them up because we had done promos with them back in 2016. I remember so, those, yeah. Yeah, so we did those and uh, we thought, you know, let's just reuse the spot, make it different. We didn't shoot a video there, so it'll be new. It'll be cool. Um, so we went back and we did the video there. Um, and in about two weeks, uh, our full EP will drop. Um, World of Black is one of three songs. Um, so that's going to be dropping everywhere November 13th, that is. Nice. And you guys, uh, you guys like tracked drums at Graphic Nature, like, Yep, like we were there at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. Uh, we tracked drums at Graphic Nature. Everything else was tracked um, by ourselves. Um, all the stems were sent out to Cody for mixing and mastering. Mm-hmm. And um, once he got those back, we pieced that together with the music video, all the promos. Um, we have a hoodie that's going to be dropping as well soon Ooh. to go with the EP. Um, just a little exclusive like pre-order printed on champion uh so that design will be released soon as well fuck yeah man yeah in those in those hoodies ready for fall season and yeah fall winter figured it would definitely uh be a little good bundle to put together that's what i'm saying and uh so like is there like um so behind the material like with this uh because like chip has always like written like the lyrics and stuff like that for, yep. for the, and that's the same thing going now um so for this one uh we kind of wanted to uh make the lyrics a b-side to eternal isolation so most of the time i feel like bands usually do like b-sides they they reference that in as far as like their material you know like songs that didn't make the record or songs that they wrote and think that would fit, you know, and they release it later. For our B-side, quote-unquote, it's more of a conceptual B-side. So yeah. the lyrics from EI of the full length kind of go with the Duravita EP lyrics. Okay. Um, EI is more internal, um, more like thoughts to yourself. You know, like we have the song Cell of Mine that's literally just about being in your own, own head. Mm -hmm. um backbreaker you know feeling the weight of other people feeling the weight of other things um weighing you down um creating stress anxiety all that all that stuff and how it makes you feel personally um the ep is more so kind of after the breaking point of all of that and more like the physical action of what's going on of what that person might do how that person might act um stuff like that um real thoughts that were once thoughts that are now becoming reality, you know, things that you never, that person never thought they would do. They're now finding themselves in that position. So it was more of like conceptual for the lyrics and the message between the two. Um, Chip did write um, the majority of the lyrics. He usually writes the lyrics and sends them to Ryan. Uh, He'll sit in front of the song you know, and he'll basically piece together from Tyler's lyrics, um, patterns, 
uh, cohesive lyrics that go together, stuff like that. Um, like kind of chop them up. And yeah, like, he'll chop oh. it up. He'll find lyrics that he thinks would go together, Damn. fit well. Um, as long as it's like within that paragraph of lyrics that go with, you know, the title of the song that it is going with. Um, That's you know, awesome. it's free reign for Ryan to use basically. So he'll pre pro an idea. He'll send it in the chat and we'll make edits together as a band. Um, for this EP, uh, I found myself doing a lot of the vocal edits with Ryan, like a lot of the patterns. So that's kind of new for me. I've never really done that. Um, mm-hmm. But for the song Six Feet Deep that will be on the EP, um, a lot of the patterns were reworked with me and Ryan together. So I'm that's definitely sick. excited for that. Yeah, it's it's fun diving into to lyrics and like vocal writing and stuff like that. Like, I feel like it helps like while I'm playing live too. Like mm-hmm. I just feel the song a little bit differently. Knowing you can connect that, with it. Yeah, knowing that like, okay, I know exactly how these lyrics go. Because still to this day, like there's some lyrics that I don't 100% know on the record. You know, I know a majority yeah. of them. Um, but like live, I'm usually just kind of doing my thing, you know. Exactly. But this time I feel like I'll find myself mouthing the words or just getting into it more, knowing the song better. Um you're like more involved and like fully. Yeah, I feel just more attached to the material. Exactly, this time more engulfed in it. Exactly, and that's fucking that's awesome. And like that, you guys were able to do it cohesively, like as a band. Like cause sometimes when there's like too many cooks in the kitchen on like one element, things can clash. People take things personally, and you're like, "Well, fuck, dude, I like it that way," or like, "That's what I originally wrote, and that's how I wanted it to go." So it's yeah. like, the 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 fact that you guys were able to make it work, like cohesively, is like fucking awesome. Yeah, we also really wanted to keep this EP kind of um, combined with uh, all the ideas from EI because, you know, being that we are in a pandemic and we can't tour, um, it's a challenge for sure for a band to release um, a full-length record without touring, you know, and for some bands it's more than possible. Uh, For younger bands it's definitely a little bit harder, but you know, they're, they're bands that are still pushing through, but, um, you know, our EP or our full length eternal isolation, we found still had some shelf life mm-hmm. and, you know, cause we had only played those songs on the West coast once they only heard it live once Shit. since it came out, you know? So yeah. it's, when you think about it like that, it's like, okay, the record's been out for a year, but not everyone has really heard it how we wanted to portray it or, you know, perform absolutely and um so we're like you know what let's just keep the idea cohesive together um it's a little ep that we can drop to keep ourselves relevant you know give people a little bit of a new sound that we wanted to to show everyone um but not really have to worry about you know not touring on it you know Mm -hmm. because it is just an ep um and it's a good like transition into uh, us writing our next record as well yeah it'll hold over people a little bit and like and regardless of like what platform like things are put out on, like whether it's an album or an ep like in this time I'm, I'm coming to find that like myself and a lot of the world are just like desperate for new music at this point yep because the people who are like taking this extra serious and like they should you know and, and they're staying inside and like they're listening to the same stuff they've been listening to like to death yeah so like any sort of new content out there nowadays like can you know actually go over like pretty well and like you a lot of uh the bands that are putting out albums like still charting 
like oh absolutely and doing great like which is amazing and it's proof that people like are that hungry for new music and something new to get them like through this hard time because yeah, this, no. this sucks i'm glad that the uh the support is still there for all for all these bands for sure definitely and like when you guys do get back out there again the people who haven't got to hear it live yet they'll be so much more familiar with it now to where when you get over there you're gonna get a probably a lot more crowd chance for, and like you're gonna hear those one-liners screamed out more like as yep. people have sit with it for for a while now so it's like become like so embedded in their memories and like that's something like i i hope for that like if we do have to release our album during all this that like if it sits longer and people still become acquainted with it by the time we get back out there people already kind of know it and we're not like hey here's this new song that we're playing the first time and you haven't heard it before like there there is something good that can come from it absolutely so that's something i you know at least hope for you know for your band and and mine like through all of this yeah no definitely because fucking a we lost some good tours because of this oh absolutely like absolutely biggest tour like for you guys and some of the biggest for us as well and i'm like yeah. god damn it seeing some of the tours that were supposed to happen for um a lot of the younger bands that didn't get to happen you know it sucks it sucks to see it is man so fucking stay inside wear your masks stop being bitches about it because maybe we'll tour late next year straight up because if i see you guys crying out there that you can't wear masks but you can wear those scarves around your face in the fall time and winter time i'm calling you out for it yep. so i'm looking That's definitely <laughs> it. i'm watching but uh we've been going for quite a while and uh you know being that we are both drummers and you are always like looking out at like you know what is what's coming out that's new and like drummers that are kind of popping off right now like i see you post occasionally about it like what are some like drummers right now like in the metalcore world that you think people need to pay attention to and like or or just that are standing out to you right now because there's been a lot of great records that's come out this year yeah no definitely i'll start with like some of the like my main influences that like got me into metalcore style drumming. Oh yeah, first, by all means. And then I'll get into that. For sure. But like the basics, like Matt Griner from August Burns Red, mm -hmm. Adam Gray um, from Texas in July, and um, Morgan, the first drummer from I the Breather. Those yeah. three, and even Aaron Oveka, like after those those guys were like the group. And then Luke Holland, throw him in there, you know. Um, Absolutely. I was just watching those guys nonstop. Um, Adam Gray, I would watch mainly for attitude and how he played his drums, the faces he'd make. He was like um, the show. I could just, man. I could just feel every note that he hit. Um, Absolutely. Matt, I would look for like posture and mm -hmm. more so like fast fills and fast, um, little, little, little fast things basically in between, um, you know, like a breakdown into another part, you know, like his little transitions that he throws in and stuff like that. Those metalcore traditional. Yeah, dude, uh, like his fills. his drumming on messengers was is some of the most influential drumming in the genre. Oh, like absolutely. still to this day. Yeah. And then um, Morgan was just super clean. I loved all his like symbol work. He did a lot of symbol splash, yeah. um, splash work and like little symbol fills here and there. He was so tight, man. Um, so yeah, like each one of those drummers, I I had like little things that stuck 
they like stood out to me and then I would follow them for those reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. Each drummer had like something different to offer to me or at least what I saw that I could take away from them Definitely. by watching them. But now I feel like um some of my favorite drummers now that I feel like should be getting more attention is uh Taylor from Chamber. Oh, 1000%. Literally like one of the craziest drummers I have ever listened to ever watched oh um, yeah in general like some of the fills that he has are like pretty much all snare Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't even sound like boring or it doesn't sound like it's overdone but Mm -hmm. he just has a way of like you know like it's like so sporadic and choppy break uh choppy fills yeah and it's crazy because like i i literally heard of the band because like i heard the name chamber being thrown around but then like i i didn't know what they sounded like and i'm always so bad at checking out bands if i don't have like i guess a reference of like what they sound like or, or something or if i don't know somebody who listens to the band like luckily for me, like, Chris is, like, that guy who's always keeping up with, like, what is new and coming out and shit. So, like, when he was, like, dude, Chamber. For some reason, I just thought, like, traditional hardcore. Like, I don't know yeah, why yeah. I have this weird, like, name and, like, genre association thing right. in my head. Like, it held me back from listening to bands like Extortionist and Distinguisher for a long time. Right. And then when I dived in, I'm like, dude, I fucking love this. Like, like what is wrong with me? Like, right. it's held me back for so long. But, like, Chamber was, uh, like, another one of those bands. And when I heard it, I was like, this is insane. Like, the band was great. And, like, the drums stood out to me as such, like, a, a leading part in that band. And when I saw, like, the live performances or, like, the videos of him drum tracking, like, for the new record with Randy, I was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, no, we uh we had a show booked with them. Uh, it was them and I Am. It was a matinee show, actually, Ooh. at uh, New Brooklyn Tavern. <sighs> new Brunswick? Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, it was, like, a small little – or, no – court tavern or something like that oh court tavern like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like that like, like kind of like lower basement venue basement venue yeah. yeah and um it was like my first time seeing them and the only thing i knew about chamber was that they like to incorporate like dissonant chords you know like yep. chords like that was their thing and um i was like all right so let me watch this and watch their set and my eyes were immediately glued to like taylor's drumming because mm-hmm. i guess s- somehow that blows over some people's heads and they just hear like panic chords. Yeah. But for me, it's like impossible not to hear these crazy drums going over these yeah. this music that is that could be so easily dumbed down by another drummer. You know, this yep. mu- the music could be totally filled with different drums and it wouldn't be chamber. So the fact that he fits in so much stuff in this style of music, it's just crazy for me to hear. Yeah, it, he does more fills in thirty seconds of a song than I do in, a, in an entire two minute thirty second song. Yeah, but it doesn't sound like he's overplaying or anything. Like exactly. he's he's just doing his thing. Yeah, and like making himself known on the track. And the same, it was the same uh, thing for me when I when I heard Vane for the first time. Okay, I was like, this shit is nuts. Like, there's like a lot of the noise, like the the wham 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 wham, and then like the drums are like that similar style where it's like. Yeah, I was like, dude, I need to just like the play and pause type feel to it. Yes, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, so ta- uh, Taylor from Taylor. Chamber. Yep, uh, I would definitely say Josh from Amir as well. I feel like he's well, yes been in the game for so long, but I personally didn't know of him 
um, until I started like just a couple years ago, like getting into like really looking at like whose drummers who and what they do and stuff like that. And then seeing all of Josh's posts like outside of drumming and mm-hmm. the band, you know, just staying active all um, the time. As far He's as, like just working. He, I know he works with Cody from Spite, um, their drummer mm-hmm. in that studio in Cali. And he's just sample packs and this and that. And I just can tell that um, everything this dude does is like lives, breathes, music, drums, this or that, you know. And dude can play any style, literally from a mirror to like glass cloud to just ripping it with spite. Like seeing them with, seeing him with spite was just insane. Yeah, he filled in for glass cloud, I think, on like a day's notice. And then Insane. literally because of how well he did on that tour, they were like, all right, we're doing the next one. And I, th- I think he was 17 or 18, like when he did that, like, which is nuts to me. I'm like, God damn, just like 18 getting like called by Glass Cloud and learning like three, four songs like in a day and then flying out the next day having one rehearsal. And then like now he's like gone to a mirror and then. And he's, he's playing with Spite, and like now he has his own project, uh, like side thing called Darko. Yep. With Tom from Chelsea Green. If you guys haven't heard Darko, check it out. It's it's mad. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's crazy. It's like that stuff. Like if you dig like Danza and, uh, but like with that like deathcore vocal style, it's relentlessly heavy. Yeah, band is sick. Their visuals are insane. Oh like, yeah. Everything about that project is super sick. And they, and they really came through like during this time with music too like when everyone was like fuck i need some new shit and it's like well here's, here's some this. bloody heavy like ridiculous shit yeah with some crazy like vocal features too on like each song oh yeah and uh darius from spite was on one and that yeah, song ben is, was on a song yeah ben, yeah ben is on like their new song called pretenders i think that dropped recently dude it's unreal so like they they definitely feel like that heavy void when nothing new is coming out for a bit i'm like jesus christ yeah definitely and then I would say another drummer that I just personally like take influence from and love uh, his playing style um, and would love to incorporate like his style more into my playing, I guess I would say, um, is Pablo from Chelsea Grin. Yes. Great, great ass drummer. Dude has like he just knows when to keep things straight through. He knows when to add a tasteful fill. Um, his kick work, though, is specifically like just what I need to lock down on. I feel like my that. My footwork is not, um, it's not consistent enough for me to be as intricate as I would like to be at yeah. certain points. Um, but just some of the things that he pulls off, I just question like how. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, so flawless and effortless um, with the hoodie on and all. Like I oh just yeah. don't know how. Like the, he's he's actually another person I look to for like uh, when it comes to footwork too because like my feet like when it comes to like quicker stuff or like being more consistent while going quicker or whatever like like that that is like probably one of my biggest uh, like issues like with that stuff and like when when like the guys throw stuff at me like that in demos I'm like can't do it mm-hmm. and like double strokes I I can't do it it's not my thing like I I can't seem to grasp it so like getting that consistent footwork something like that i've been trying to work at lately and like when i when i discovered like for the first time like those drum cams of pablo i was like dude this guy ripped and he can scream while playing too i was like that was another influence for me i was like fuck yeah no that's just insane i wouldn't be able to scream and uh play my music at the same time with a click and all that 
it's distracting. Yeah. But it's it's like a lot to take in. But like he he does it so effortlessly and like. I wonder if he has a monitor. Like if his vo- if his vocal is in his ears as well as his clicks and stuff. Like, it's possible. It's I've... like a full ass package. <laughs> imagine yeah, imagine hearing all that and just like yeah. in your ear at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like when I do mine. I, I have like just like my clicks and samples and shit like in my ear or what or like the the guitars. Yeah. But then like I just have like a wedge next to me just so I can hear enough of it just to make sure I'm sounding okay. Even though I still hear it in my own head, just like the, like my voice like when it rattles like inside my own head, like that's right. like what I hear. But Jesus Christ! But yeah, he's he's incredible. Um, what about some of the dudes who are like coming up? Okay, like so. like drummers who are like kind of like breaking out like like newer newer cats, I guess. Dave Rookie from who, who that is? Sentinels. Nah, Man, fuck um, that guy. I would say coming up, um, Dave from Sustenance. Yes, dude rips, hits hard. David Botter the third. Um, great gear, great dude. <laughs> He's such a fucking good player, man. Literally, um. Trying to think. Josh from Degrader. Yes. Dude's fills are disgusting. And uh I feel like he doesn't get the credit that he should. He's so solid, man. Like yeah. when when like I saw that like he was like doing live drums for like their their two songs they put out, I was like, Yes. Cause like hearing him like throw like his actual live sauce on like yeah. songs, I was like, dude, it it really did improve like like overall, like the quality of like those songs, like just hearing like his actual playing and stuff like that, it's like a world of difference. Yeah, no, it, for real, it, it definitely is. He's so tight, it's insane. Um, another one would definitely be uh, Cam from Lotus Eater. Okay. Um, that band is just like super crazy. Uh, as far as like tempo changes and modulation and just uh, kind of catching the listener like off guard, mm-hmm. and um. Born Anew likes to do a lot of, like, tempo changes and a lot of weird transitions and stuff like that. Um, so to hear, like, that similar style just yeah. um, in another band and done, like, in a different way as well, it kind of makes me, like, um, be able to elaborate more on my own parts. You know, like, okay, like, this is this part, but, like, I could try to do this. You know, this definitely, like, fits there, or this could fit there, so let me try this. And it makes me, like, experiment, try different things. Um, I haven't dived into that band as much as I know I, sh- I should, because, like, every time Chris plays them, I'm like, oh, this is Lotus Eater, right? Like, it's, like, it's they have, like, a signature sort of tone to them. Yeah, definitely. And, like, their production, it's always so just, like, it slaps so hard. Like, And I don't, like, like, me like bro, this shit slaps, but, like... Like the production, like it really does, like have like this, like the snare, the way it's like processed in the mix, yep. like it has such a signature like tone to it. And then, actually, another, um, another drummer that I look up to, um, is Craig, as well from Stray. Stray. Oh yeah, C- Craig. Just is... Watching his videos, um, I'm just like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, I've I've been a huge fan of him since like I like he first kind of like broke out into like um, well I mean like I know he, he he's just great at putting out content. He and, is like, staying relevant and like seeing a new post kind of every day, you know, like mm-hmm. something new every time. He's got such a unique like finesse to his playing, and like he has like the like the the knowledge 
to like so like his drum parts are so creative yeah and like going from a drummer like like dan like who like the old drummer is straight to like when like they were like yeah craig is the new drummer like i didn't even know dan was leaving you're right and then like when craig like joined i was like oh this band yeah like it's like this band is gonna be just as if not even sicker now like just having a, a drummer of like his uh like his stature like 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 where he stands like in in the drum world it's like yeah this band is gonna do just fine like yeah, no definitely absolutely I'm trying to think of other drummers coming up i could name so many like literally anyone that we've toured with you know like dom yeah. um Gigino from extortionist yeah dude has always amazed me by how he can learn sets so fast oh like yeah he did the spite um set like spite set for certain tours body snatcher you know extortionist like he's just ready to go all all times and for me that's something i personally struggle with is learning someone else's drum parts that's Mm -hmm. why like drum covers are slim to none for for me because i'm never happy with how they come out because i can't cover someone's exact drum parts Mm -hmm. you know so if I was to get like the stems and then do like my own thing and improv over it, it'd be something different for sure. Yeah. But when it comes to like making sure what's on the video that you're watching is what you're hearing and also matching up with exactly what's on the actual song, mine don't line up, you mm-hmm. know, and they're not going to because I add little snare hits here or there yep. or something here um, that shouldn't be there, you know, and in my head, I'm just like, oh, why does it sound like shit? But then I'm like, it really doesn't. It's just different. Yeah, you know? it's so. it's your own style kind of bleeding into it. Exactly. So like, it's a little hard for me to do that at some point. So for any drummer that I see constantly putting out content and covering songs, um, just it blows me away, honestly, by like how fast they can do it. Yeah, like because I used to specifically like just do covers for a while. Like after my first like band like kind of split. I think actually that's how I found you. I I started seeing like your drum covers mm-hmm. after f- knowing you from Adventure, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of like I was like, okay, this guy knows his drums, and then yeah, you know, and the connection started. And that's how like I got like kind of into Adventure because like they were like just starting up and they they needed a drummer, and and so like they just came across like one of my like contortionist covers or like Periphery or something, right? And they were like, okay, he can play this stuff he's the kind of drummer we need so that's how that happened and like once i joined them like the covers really just stopped because that was my whole reasoning for doing covers was to find a band Mm. like to kind of create like somewhat like of like a portfolio right and like youtube is perfect for that and so that happened and for a while like i it was really rare that i was like not like just covering them for myself like but like not even like making videos of it like just playing along to songs and stuff like i was doing that way less and i i realized that learning material outside of the band became more difficult for me mm-hmm. and i just don't have that anymore it's it's tough yeah like, definitely that's something that has like gone away from me which sucks cuz like i i do like miss just playing along to certain things but now yeah. I, it's just not there now like my mind is just like fully focused on sentinels materials trying to get it as tight as possible you know you get into the swing of things like if you started to reintroduce like really playing along the songs and learning the parts i'm sure you would pick it back up right away probably you know and if i learned it if i knew a song well enough i could you know get it done but it's just when you know a band is like hey do you want to like 
learn a song like session drumming like that's why i have never really offered that um personally because Mm -hmm. i just never done it and i don't know how i would do or how it would come out yeah you know i would love to experiment and just try to lay drums over something but i found that like it's it's more difficult for me to be the drummer to just kind of go in and just record off something i like to to know what i'm doing I like my parts to be mapped out beforehand because born yep. new we tab everything before yeah. um, I even go in to track. So I basically just do that and then take the tabs and humanize it on a kit, you know, add little things here and there, stuff like that. But yeah, it's definitely something that I wish I could, uh, I wish I was better at. I could, I could practice more and do that, but. I feel you, but it's when you're focused on like not really focused on practicing that specific. Yeah, because you're like, why do I yeah. have to do that other than just for myself? Exactly. Because like you know, with the new born a new EP and stuff like that, you're like, I got to make sure I'm up on these songs so that like when it comes time for videos or playthroughs or some shit, like I want that to be perfect. Right, and usually when we write new material, like I'll there's like three parts or four parts in whatever we're working on. On the full length, it was like three or four parts. On the EP, there's, you know, like three parts or something like that that are just challenging for me to play. But I do that so that I have something to practice in between, you know, that is related to Born Anew, but still practicing my technique and my skills and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a win-win practicing new stuff, but still Born Anew, so. Yeah, and I I just want to say like, from like the time I first met you to like where you're at now with your drumming, mm-hmm. it's like night and day. <laughs> like like obviously like with the experience of like touring and stuff like that, it's like yeah, like that comes with time and like practicing. But like you are so like like watching you play like now, like versus back in the day. Like when people watch you now, like they're engaged, right? And like and your parts like you've put some like really creative spins and like signature things that like you do in born born and news music and it it makes it that much more interesting and engaging and stuff like that and like that's a big big part of why like i love watching you guys live and like i don't get sick of it like it's like there's some bands like say you do like a a run of shows with or whatever and like you're like all right that's all that's cool yeah like if they don't have like that sort of thing to it but like the way that you have like crafted this sort of style into like you know born anew it's it, it makes it that much more interesting and you know it stands out and yeah, like no, definitely i always like hold you to high regards and like drummers that i know around here i'm like dude he fucking that. crushes it like and you hit so goddamn hard <laughs> and you, it's like you. hits like a man i appreciate that bro of course um a couple other drummers that popped in my head uh coming up like that are making moves and that just deserve more recognition mm-hmm. moak always uh vitic yes insane very slept on dude is nasty yeah and his like new like covers on instagram yep, like the, the quality cover. is crazy he's Super killing sick. it and um steven sanchez yes that dude makes me want to practice more but sometimes quit instead of practice <laughs> more <laughs> yeah every time i see him like he's like yeah i'm just gonna fuck around i'm not fully warmed up but here i'm gonna play the faceless and i'm like what and it's yeah. so clean yeah or like yeah i'm just gonna try to get through this beneath the massacre song but like actually get through it <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like no dude i can try to get through you got through it yeah i can try <laughs> yeah you're like i'm i'm 
I stopped playing for about 10 seconds, and I'm like, okay, I can do this for three, and done. Yeah. Like, he's... When it comes to speed, he just has that locked in. And he's another one of those dudes that's, like, when it comes to, like, learning sets and shit like that, like, he's on yeah. point, and, like, he he can play shit, like, cleaner, better, and, like, he can throw things into it. Like, he... um, th- This isn't, like, anything negative, obviously, towards David's parts on, like, the, the last 10 seconds of life record. Like, his parts on uh, Machine and on Grata, like that, like those drum parts, I was like, fuck, this is like probably the the best last 10 record I, I've heard. And, and like, and and then like drum, I mean like drums alone, like the, the drums on it are so like advanced compared to like past like material. And right. I was like, dude, David fucking killed it. And then Steven joins and he's like, we're on a tour with Ingested. So I'm going to throw in some double strokes here. And instead of this sort of like straight blast, he's like, I'm going to turn this whole segment into euros. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it just made like last 10, like sound more like a deathcore band, but he did it so tastefully. And I'm like, dude, Steven is like the fucking man. So Steven, if you're listening to this, I'm going to be punishing you to get on on here real soon because there's so many people who are like, dude, Steven. Like, oh yeah, yeah. No, he's insane. Every time uh, he posts a new video, I'm just like, "What is it today?" Yeah. It's like the day before, <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, I can." I finally got blasting down at like 300 BPM. You know, like oh some God. crazy shit. I'm just like, stop. <laughs> like stop, dude. You make me want to quit. Um, and one last drummer, I'd say that also deserves more recognition, and that just is overall a very good, well-rounded drummer and musician is uh davier from great american ghost yes uh had the pleasure of touring on the body snatcher tour with him Mm -hmm. um for you know that 30 plus days and uh whether it was load in load out setting up uh putting the kid on stage right before the set you know anything he was there to help uh didn't matter if it was me or chris from body snatcher he was there just to help you know get lend his hand um, oh yeah. You know, when I got sick, he uh he literally set up my his kit and my cymbals, my stands, my pedals for me. And I would let walk in 2 minutes before playing and just sit down to my kit fully set up, ready to go. What a he, guy. Like, he learned like where my stuff went. He learned where my cymbals were. Uh he was even going to fill in for a couple of days when I was like really really sick on that tour. Mm-hmm. Um and then we ended up having Nick Chance do it instead he oh did yeah. he did it for a day <laughs> that's so um, sick but yeah davier like he has so many little warm-up techniques that helped me throughout that tour with like pre-show jitters you know like your feet the adrenaline's going and you're like accidentally double stroking instead of hitting yeah. once or something like that you know like any of those little things uh that may make you feel a little uncomfortable when sitting down to play um i found after doing some of the warm-ups he gave me and showed me um, that those things were a little easier for me. Yeah, for sure. Davier is a, he's an exceptional drummer. And not only to mention, like, it's it's public knowledge. Like, the, the drums on that latest Gra- uh, Great American Ghost record were performed, and I'm pretty sure, like, partially, like, written by uh, Hosian, who's the drummer for uh, Fit for an Autopsy. Yes. So, And if anyone's familiar with that band... And hosing as a drummer, the drums are fucking ridiculous. And like, there are parts on that record that sound borderline impossible. 
So like when it was like Hosian was like recording the drums for the record, I'm like, damn, whoever they get next has their work cut out for him. Yeah. And like seeing Davier, like like videos of him like performing Hosian's parts, I'm like, dude, not only does he play them incredibly, he hits like a motherfucker when he does so. Yeah. He he's great. So if anyone is not familiar, uh, it's Davier Perez. Right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. He's unbelievable. I have such a hard time with last names sometimes, but yeah, Davier, incredible drummer. Yeah, the dude. Um, he's filled in for he filled in for Fit for an autopsy. Actually, he did. So. I I saw it and, and I was like, this guy's great. For um, Dayseeker and a couple other bands, I think too. So he he does like um, session drumming and he filled like touring drummer, all this stuff, drum tech. Um, like that's his main his main job. Yeah, drums are his life, man. And yeah, it, and it shows. He he puts in the, the fucking time, man. Faux show. It's incredible. Well, I think we're coming up at like uh, about two hours, so I mean, we'll probably call this cut this at a uh, this point. But dude, if you want to take this time to you know again plug anything that you know you want people to look out for, the mic is yours, man. Yeah, I mean, I would just say um, stream our new single "World of Black." Uh, the music video is out once again. That was done by the beautiful nick chance the most beautiful um and the ep will be dropping november 13th uh entitled dura vita it'll be three songs um really excited to get that out to you guys um i know everyone's been asking for new music from us so uh we're giving it to you and uh we will be um flying to nashville to record our second full length very soon as well so we are not slowing down and um even through this pandemic, we're trying to just stay afloat and do as much as we possibly can um, and support as many other of our friends' bands as well. So thank you for having me, Dave. Dude, always a pleasure. Love you, buddy. Love you too, bro.